Namaste, Dr. Raven Elizabeth. How is everybody doing today? Happy Monday. We're talking about massive action today and what you do when you're stressed. How do you adapt to stress in your environment? So many of us live in sympathetic dominance, which is the fight or flight response. And there's a couple other parts of that that researchers in neuroscience physiologists have been adding so it's fight flight there's fornicate or freeze and there's even fodder so they're adding more and more to this that's not just fight or flight there's other responses that are related and integrated and part of the sympathetic nervous system now the sympathetic chain ganglion is from t1 to l2 so that's from the top of your back up by your shoulders where your neck ends and your shoulders begin, T1 vertebrae and that nerve root there, down to L2, so the second lumbar, and that's typically where it is. And so it's innervating, it's giving information out to the organs and different parts of the body, but that's where that runs. Likewise, the other part of the central nervous system, we have the parasympathetic, and that's in the head in the cranium and also in the sacrum the low back which is that sacred bone there and that's what sacrum is named after is sacred so within the head the cranial nerves it's cranial nerves three seven nine and ten are parasympathetic and then in the sacrum s2 through s4 so a lot of western anatomy there for you but that's how i teach my patients and my chiropractic practice in santa barbara but also how i teach yoga is let's bring in some western anatomy and physiology and then we'll flush it out with ayurveda and chinese medicine and look at it from different perspectives different layers and not just the physical body but the subtle body the energetic body and i think that that's a really integrative way but it's a way for us to incorporate and when we look at the word incorporate it means to bring into the body so how can we bring this information into our body well it's through layers it's through titration so we titrate drip by drip if you remember high school and college chemistry and over time a change will occur but it's it takes time so it's drip 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 we're watching it nothing's happening and then you put in another drop and something changes. So we're titrating this information. So here we are. So to review, we're talking central nervous system, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetics is our fight or flight. Parasympathetics is rest and digest where we can heal on the cellular level. We're made up of 70 to 100, and 100 trillion cells. So it takes a lot to restore, renew, rejuvenate, and recycle all of these cells. So that repair can take a while. And especially if we were living in sympathetic fight or flight dominance, which so many of us do, that's what burns out those adrenal glands. I think of those adrenal glands, they desiccate, they dry out so much, they're like raisins is how I picture them of, ooh, we're pumping out too many stress hormones, it's not good. And that's where we live. So as a chiropractor, people will come to me with pain and I obviously I don't want people to be in physical pain or emotional pain spiritual pain I don't want them to be in pain at all but it's also not my number one goal that's a stop along the way my goal is what are you wanting to do that you cannot do or no longer do what are your activities of daily living we call them the ADLs activities of daily living so if you're a rock climber but you can't do that let's get back to rock climbing canoeing hiking playing with your kids, being able to turn your neck when you drive your car, 
It could be simple, it could be weekend warrior activity, whatever it is. I want you to hit those ADLs, so let's get you out of pain, but then let's really get you back to your lifestyle. And part of that is learning and knowing how to be in relationship with stress in your environment so that you can adapt to it. So now we're gonna switch perspectives and lenses for a moment here, because I also have this depth psychological Jungian lens and also a somatics lens. So depth psychology comes out of the tradition of Freud, um, analytic psychology, and then Jung. And Jung is responsible for teaching about the unconscious and the shadow. So all the shadow work comes from Carl Jung, C.G. Jung's work. And he's really the one that named that. And the shadow isn't good nor bad, dark, it's simply unconscious material that we're not wanting to see in ourselves, something we don't want to recognize, honor, and accept and be in relationship with, with ourselves. So it could be good, it could be bad. You don't need to look at it paradoxically, like, or uh, not paradoxically, but you don't need to look at it um, in this dichotomy um, of good or bad. It's just something we don't want to acknowledge. And psyche is that bridge from the unconscious to the conscious, bringing this information into the forefront, into the consciousness, into our realm of awareness. And that can be, you know, something we went through a specific journey, therapy, whatever it is. And then we're like, whoa, like I, I really need to work on this. I need to process and then I need to integrate and incorporate. So that's, that's another lens I'm looking at. And so from this fight or flight responses, getting into old patterns, um, why are you continuing this cycle, this pattern? What is it? And that's something a therapist can really help with. EMDR is a great modality within therapy, and you can find somebody on psychologytoday.com that practices EMDR, and that helps repattern the feedback loop within your brain. And, you know, going through 30 plus surgeries, it's not only a lot of toxins that I experienced as a child, but it was a lot of trauma and something that it's, I've been working on for years and in a better relationship with now and acknowledging, wow, that was really traumatic, but I don't need to be in a victim archetype here. I need to just be in relationship to a, wow, that was my experience. That was my somatic experience, my lived experience. And what's my relationship to it now? What did I learn from it? And that's the best thing we can get from the unconscious and the shadow are these really deep life lessons in this lifetime and beyond. So EMDR is powerful, powerful for dealing with that trauma. Um, but there's so many different modalities for that. And there's different coaches, people working with shadow and the unconscious. But knowing just the tradition, the lineage, it comes out of C.G. Jung's work and depth psychology. Sometimes even referred to as death psychology because you got to go through a spiritual death and dismemberment like Dionysus and then be reborn so it's it can be really intense so it's that's part of my lens here of looking at fight or flight or sympathetic dominance you know why are we choosing this why is our body going into this pattern and that that lends itself to the somatic piece of the lived experience of the body am I just allowing this automatic thing to happen or can I come into the relational field with it and really be curious and kind of meditate and go into a place of active imagination which is Jung's form of meditation of allowing image and symbol to come forward and to actively engage with it in a state of meditation of who's here what's going on who's showing up what am I learning and so to be in dialogue with that image or symbol or archetype whatever comes forward from you 
in a really authentic and open and curious way. Curiosity is a big part of depth psychology and lends itself to somatics as well. So, what, you know, what are these patterns? So, physiologically, it's easy for me to name some of those patterns of your heart rate beat increases. So, fast heart rate, your breathing becomes more shallow. And that's part of that sympathetic response. Pupils are dilating, they're changing. But then I can also point it out on patients of, oh, you can't laterally bend your neck, which is ear to shoulder. You can't do that. Well, your scalenes, which we have three on either side, that's one of their two jobs. They bend your head side to side, but they also lift up your first two ribs, where that's where the insertion points are for the muscles, and deep inspiration. So perhaps we're in this pattern, this psychological and somatic pattern, and could be psychosomatic but that's not a pejorative that is not a negative term it's just that that connection the marriage of the psychology and the body that's it so we need to stop looking at psychosomatic as pejorative that's a side note but these scalings attach to the first and second rib and perhaps we're in this place of fight or flight serious sympathetic dominance we are stressed and we can't even get to a place of rest and digest. So our stomach's hurting, we're putting on weight, pumping out all this cortisol from our adrenal glands. We're having adrenal burnout, breaking out in hives, rashes, things that don't make sense. Our breathing's really shallow, our heart rate's increased, headaches, all these symptoms, which are simply signals and messages from the body of, hey, pay attention to me. Don't cover me up. Don't put a band-aid on me. Don't mask me with medication or potion or lotion. Pay attention there's something going on here so we can I personally will check scalings on patients and show them hey here's your range of motion your these ribs aren't lifting up so I give them stretches but that's not getting to the root cause I'm going to adjust their neck I'm going to teach them stretches and yoga poses to help with that but also they need to get to the root cause of why I'm in this place or fight or flight and it can be they need to get adjusted we need to reset the master system of the body the nervous system mainly through the upper cervical spine, the atlas and the axis, C1 and C2, C1 being the atlas, like the great god carrying the world on his shoulders. This is the most neurologically active part of the spine and the brain stems just above it, controlling things like sleep and respiration and heart rate. And so there's studies showing just adjusting the atlas through specific techniques for upper cervical adjustments can reduce the systolic, the top number of the blood pressure by 14 points in a hypertensive patient. So somebody already has diagnosed high blood pressure. So really phenomenal studies and that, but resetting the nervous system, master system there can help regulate the body because the body does know how to heal itself always from above down inside out. Chiropractic is removing the interference. Depth psychology is going in there and saying, hey, you know, why is this happening? Because we look at chiropractic, a subluxation misalignment in the spine occurs through trauma, toxins, and thoughts, and we're adding in technology. Trauma can be repetitive motion from a desk job. It could be birth trauma from forceps. Could be a car accident. Toxins in our food, and our air, and our water. It's hard to avoid all of it. But, you, you know, that's why we need to eat organic and have clean water sources, avoid genetically modified foods, not put toxic makeup and perfumes all over our body, that kind of stuff. The next one is thoughts, stress, anxiety, negative thought patterns. That's what got me interested in depth psychology because I'm here looking at patients through this lens of chiropractic, through a lens of being a yoga teacher, a bhakta, playing kirtan, leading kirtan, 
having a board certification in physiotherapy and also having my undergrad, one of my degrees in environmental studies, so looking at it from this environmental perspective, but still there was something missing that was that thought. So why are we getting into this? You know, what's happening? Our trauma, our toxins, our thoughts, technology lends into too, and we can be addicted to technology. So again, depth psychology, why is this pattern occurring? What's in my unconscious? What can I pull up? So that depth psychology really encourages pay attention to your dreams, pay attention to the images and the symbols and the archetypes, and come into relationship with them through active imagination. And that's how we individuate, move toward enlightenment. And so it's a lot of Carl Jung's work and the somatics wraps it all up of what's the lived experience of the body. So often when I'm adjusting a patient, I'll be like, how does that feel in your body? Or if we're having a conversation about their nutrition, their supplementation, their essential oils, their yoga practice, whatever it may be, how does that, how do you experience that in your body? Because that's somatics. That word's being co-opted right now. It's only been a word since the 1976. But people are using, I do somatic therapy. But really, if you're not asking about how does that feel in your body? How are you experiencing that in your body? You're not practicing somatics because that's really the core essence of lived experience of the body. So that can't be ignored. And I can't ignore that as a chiropractor or as somebody studying depth psychology. So we're bringing it all together. So through chiropractic is my main tool, but not the only tool I have. But it's really as a teacher, because doctor means teacher in Latin, teaching people how can you be in relationship with the stress in your environment, both internally, externally? In somatics, we're going to look at interoception, our perception from within. You know, okay, I'm scanning my body in this mindful meditation. I feel my left toe. I have some pain there. When I experience that, my heart hurts. It's racing. So being in that relationship and then exteroception, the environment around you, how does that inform your body and what you're experiencing? So those are a couple ways of looking at it. But it's really like, how do we then adapt to stress in our environment, internal and external? How do we go into fight or flight when we need it, but not live there? We want to come back into parasympathetic, rest and digest, healing, repairing, rejuvenating on the cellular level. Sleep helps with that, but if we're really stressed, we often don't sleep. So getting your nervous system reset and balanced by a chiropractor is a big first step. Working with somebody who is good with work tending dreams, um, a Jungian analyst is really proficient at dream analysis, but it's not just looking up in a dream dictionary, I had a dream about a bear, this is what it means. It's going into relationship, active imagination with bear and saying, okay, bear, you're here. What do you need to teach me? And being in this very open, curious state of inquiry with bear and letting bear move. And so this may seem woo-woo, but it's so powerful. So here's an example. Last August, so a year ago now, I had a very potent, powerful dream. And I was meditating a lot, using the law of attraction, calling in what I wanted, and also being in a deep relationship with my own practices after dissolving a corporation, starting a new business, getting through my first year back in grad school um, with somebody dissolving a corporation and starting a new one and practicing and going through a lot. And so I'm, I'm in this deep place of contemplation. And I have this dream in which 
I'm doing one of my daily rituals, which is putting lavender on the front of my heart chakra, my manubrium, which is the top of the sternum, the top of the chest, the breastbone. So I put lavender there in my waking life and peppermint on the back because the peppermint tingles and it reminds me of shadow. So that's a big practice and ritual of mine in the morning. Um, and I can talk more about, I've, I'm all about rituals, so we'll talk about that in another podcast. But I do this in my dream. And as I use my right hand on the back of my heart space and put the peppermint on the back of my spine, I feel this bump. And within the dream, I'm like, wow, that's gross. What is this bump? And then I see myself standing behind my physical body and putting my hands on either side of this bump almost to like, like it's a pimple and I'm going to pop it. But as I push both hands on either side of the spine, almost like a form of adjustment as well on the thoracics, the flesh opens up, but there's no blood. And I see the spine and I'm in this lucid enough state where the chiropractor brain is like, wow. This is beautiful. I'm seeing each vertebrae. There's the spinous process, the transverse process. There's the nerves. There's the disc. Oh, it's so beautiful. Like it's it's just alive and it's anatomy and I I love it and I have arrows for it and toward it. It's beautiful anatomy and so I'm I'm very intrigued. But from within, between the vertebrae in the disc space, comes this white snake. And I recognize it as kundalini energy. And I'm not a kundalini practitioner. I'm a bhakta. So I want to bring energy down to the earth often, soul, and work with Shakti. Because I always feel that rising up of spirit, mountain, Shiva, because of society and culture. But I want to bring it down. But I also want to bring it into balance and come to a place of femininity, not third wave rage feminism, which I have no arrows toward. I'm all about the balance and the masculine and the feminine, the Shiva and the Shakti. So I see this snake coming out and it's white and it has red eyes and I'm looking into its eyes and it starts wrapping around the, my body, my other body that's pushing into my physical body, it's like my spirit body, to the left. And as it goes around me and I no longer can see its face, I feel this fear and it's deeply rooted in me and comes up through my spine like kundalini energy and with my right hand I reach down and there's this pile of pink rock like pink Himalayan salt and I throw it on this snake because I'm thinking like it's like a snail like I'm gonna I'm gonna salt this thing and I dump it all over the snake and I wake up and I literally scream out loud and I sit straight up in my bed and I out loud to myself just say this is a message from Psyche And for the next week, I hold this dream like a newborn inside of me. And I know it's potent. I know it's powerful. And I end up meeting with my friend who's um, on the tribal council for the Chumash tribe here in Santa Barbara, who I do a lot of shamanic work with and mentors me a bit. Um, Chumash alchemy and just teaches me a lot about earth magic and medicine um, and their rituals and traditions. And so I meet with him and we tend it and we talk a lot about the salt and the purification. And then I meet with my therapist to tend to the dream and do active imagination dream tending with it, which is Steven Eisenstadt, the founder of Pacifica, has a book on dream tending. That's a lovely book. I think it's just called Dream Tending. You can look that up. Go back in. And as I go back in and become in relationship with the snake again and allow this to happen and witness, and I'm witnessing myself this time, 
I allow snake to wrap around my entire spirit body while still looking forward at my physical body in this meditative state. And as it wraps around, I still have the fear come up and I have the salt. I want to salt it, but I, I allow this to keep happening. And out of the back of my spine, of the physical body in front of me, its tail comes out because I, I had this fear and intuition of the tail's still in me. Oh my gosh, why is this tail still in me? And when it comes out, the tail's completely different. It's ribbed. It's not ribbed. It's rigid. There's rigidity quality to it. And it's a different shape than the snake. And it's black. And as it comes out, the tail ends in my right hand. And it's a rattle. And the rest of the snake, as one piece, lowers into the earth. And I'm left holding a rattle in my right hand. So my therapist coming from a Toltec perspective, and then also my Chumash shaman friend, we really looked at this as a sign of initiation into shamanism and into a deeper connection with myself and my guides. But it was through that dream tending, that breaking of all patterns of wanting to do something, but stepping back and being in a place of rest and being ready for this because I do get regular Cairo and massage and acupuncture and dream tending and therapy, EMDR, working through all these different patterns, working through the shadow, through with the unconscious, not through the shadow, but with the shadow, in relationship with shadow, in relationship with unconscious. And I was able to go in and have this really profound dream that I still have been working with and, and, and the pink salt has shown up in other images so that's just one example i've talked about in other podcasts on dr raven elizabeth about my um, wolf medicine um, daydream with the wolf covered in pink salts on the gemini supermoon last december in ojai on the way to an indigenous sound bath and healing and I know salt is a big, you know, Jung says that salt isn't bitterness, salt is wisdom. So we look at the salt of the earth and salting of our wounds to purify them and to prevent disease and destruction. So I know that salt is a teacher, but here snake was a teacher as well. And so I'm still working with that image. So that's just, that's a really major, major, deeply personal and profound um, example from my life and my unconscious that came forward through Psyche when I was ready and open and prepared to work with Psyche. Um, so, so much has been covered. Biggest lesson here and the biggest takeaway for everybody is how can we adapt to stress in our environment? Because our body is going to give us information. Our psyche is going to feed us information in the dream and waking states through intuition, through signs, symbols, and same with the body through signs and symptoms. So paying attention. So I'm coming at this from a chiropractic lens which is like a clinician lens, um, vitalistic lens, but it's also a depth psychological lens and a somatic lens. So we're, we're hitting this from different angles and perspectives of my life and my education to really wrap this all up in a package of how do we deal with stress in our environment? But not only that, how do we come into relationship with it and adapt to it? 
so that we don't live in fight or flight all the time and we so we don't and we don't have to have that pattern we can go into fight or flight and do what we need to do take massive action take care of ourselves whatever it is but come back to a place of healing and restoration because that's the key here so that the body can keep moving forward in a state of health but also we're keeping up with our mental health our emotional health our spiritual health because vitalism is bigger than holistic medicine vitalism is the philosophy where everything's connected and through innate which is chi prana life force um, and universal intelligence was the collective in Jungian psychology and so vitalism for me is the connection of mind body spirit soul psyche planet and when i say planet i mean mother earth and father sky so it's this full connection And I always like to say we're connected in the collective. And so how do you adapt to that stress in your environment? Go find a chiropractic that's vitalistic, get adjusted, take care of the master system. It controls everything. Work with people that can help you with your dreams and interpretation and analysis. Your psychology, your mental well-being is really important. Changing those patterns moving your body, eating clean food, drinking water, trying to get rest. All those things are vitally important to your own vitality and vitalism. If you have questions, send me a message on this podcast. Follow my Instagram at Dr. Raven Elizabeth. I'm also on instant go for questions, consultations, also at Dr. Raven Elizabeth. And I look forward to connecting with you all soon here and in the collective. Namaste.